0: Check the mic and make sure it sound right, boys.
1: Welcome to Red Storm Chasers. I'm Vincent here with Tim and Nick. On this episode, we'll look back at a very solid victory against Xavier and a hard loss to Connecticut while we look ahead to the Hofstra matchup at UBS Arena. How's everyone doing? Everyone have a good Christmas out there?
2: I had a great Christmas. It was great spending time with the fam and everybody
1: tammy you had a good
2: christmas pretty good for me
0: got to do a full uh full dinner setup with that uh my star had a great time with all her gifts we we probably had upwards to over 35 nice. total gifts good for now her. i mean you got you got some small ones in there but she also got uh I don't know how to explain it. It's it it's the bar for gymnastics, but it's it's like one of the two for a uneven bars. Gotcha. It's just the one bar.
1: All right. Well, that's hey, good. Anyway. Good game. Yeah.
2: So she's she loves that right now.
1: All right. Anybody? Any of you guys? Either of you get anything really exciting for a gift?
2: I got. Uh, I've been. I have an N64. I've been building a collection. I got four new N64 games. I got Mario Party, Super Smash, Pokemon Snap. And 007 Eye. I, I got you one of those games
1: for Christmas. So I was I aware I of you I building your that. N64 uh, repertoire. We got you the uh, Mario Party. Always a classic. Big fan. I'm a big fan of Mario Party, or I was a big fan of the older one as well. So made sense. All Mario also. Parties are great. Uh, all right. Well, we're kind of in that week between Christmas and New Year's. So my question for you guys this week is what should... St. John's's New Year's resolution be? What should this team's New Year's resolution be?
0: I mean, watching the games, the idea of shooting at least a minimum of 33% from the three-point line. I think that should be it. All right. I like that. People people watching the last game, we'll talk about free throw shooting, but I think just having a consistent 33% from the three-point line as a team will keep us in the running or possibly keep us uh ahead of the score where the free throws don't matter as much at the end.
1: I like that resolution. Nick, you got a resolution for the team?
2: Yeah, I think we I just think we got coming down the stretch, we got to hit our free throws. I mean so right. I feel like free throws have always been a problem ours, even though we didn't shoot bad uh against Yukon. Um, but down the stretch we did miss a couple that just dug in a little bit and it's always the, the ones at the end that dig in a
1: little more. For sure. Both both good resolutions, I believe. I agree with both of those resolutions. Mine was uh, going to be in line with you, Tim. I think our resolution should be to try to consistently shoot above 30% from three. Uh, and that will lead us to a victorious, or I should say, a hopefully victorious season uh, with a winning record and on the right pass. Well, we're still in 2023. So before we get, get going, let's look back at this doubleheader week. That kicked off the Big East season. Kind of weird that we have Hofstra in the middle, but it was the Big East start to the season for everybody. And to be honest, great way to start off the season, right? First game, 81-66 to win against Xavier. We never trailed. This is, you know, exactly what we were looking for uh, when we said that this game was basically a must win because Xavier is a team we're going to be battling with for seeding when it comes time for the Big East tournament. And you look at the numbers like me and Tim talked about, and Nick mentioned, 35% from three. 66% from the line is a little low, uh, but fortunately we were ahead by so much there wasn't as much fouling down the end. 46% from the field is pretty good. You know, that's a good day. When we, when we have put up those numbers and we're putting up 46 from the field and 35 from three, most likely we're going to be on the winning side of that game. And, I mean, that's exactly what happened. We had four of our five starters. Uh, only Glenn Taylor didn't have double digits. Uh, we even had Dingle get 10 off the bench. So it was all around a great effort. Uh, and, you know, I couldn't have been happier with that performance on Wednesday.
0: I mean, as a whole, uh, defensively, offensively, it was a full effort. We didn't need to rebound as much as we usually do just because we were shooting over forty six percent from the field. That much going in, you're expected to possibly lose on the free throw. I mean on the uh on the rebounding line. Three point shooting, thirty five percent defensively. They shot nineteen. Those are the kind of numbers that really do help, and those will especially help if we make it into uh, the NCAA tournament this year. So I think those kind of stats, looking at that for the future, those are two good signs. I absolutely. think Sorana was
2: just absolutely dominant. We looked absolutely incredible against Xavier. Xavier is what we, I hoped and dreamed we would look like every single game this season. And against the bad teams, we kind of have. But yeah. against the good teams, we haven't.
1: For sure and I, you are right I mean 6 blocks in the game 18 points 14 rebounds 5 assists for Soriano I mean he had a hell of a game
2: and he looked like it was so easy it looked see everything seemed so easy for him the entire game and it was just it was awesome watching it 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 was just so amazing
1: All right so what were you most impressed by I guess besides Joel Soriano in this game
0: So besides having Joel Soriano having a dominant game Naheem Aline, jumping into the starter role, I think did a perfect job there. Didn't sh- he, he did shoot 11 shots. He made six of them, though. He wasn't taking unnecessary shots. He knows he's not the, the third scorer on the team. Having him in the starting rotation, having him play 33 minutes, it was the perfect fit. Four rebounds, two assists, a steal only committing three fouls
1: yeah no, Aline had a great game I mean it it was nice to see that for him you know and, and listen not that he hasn't had good games or that he hasn't played well uh, but I do agree I think he kind of stepped out a little bit which is is good to see that we have other guys who can do that who can come out and all of a sudden you know give you something you haven't seen before Nick what were you most impressed by
2: we went up at the beginning of the game what was it, like 12-3 or something we went up real quick mm-hmm. and then we never looked back we we never really took our foot off the gas there was it, don't get me wrong i mean it was always scary because it's always scary being a st johns fan but it was, we were always in control i would say the entire game it felt like at least and i would also say how we turned them over 18 times and it seemed like we were forcing them over left and right but yeah. i do want to that they only shot 19% from 3 shooting 4 for 21 so some of that was because we played good defense, and some of it was also because they just missed a couple shots. But, hey, it's a game of basketball.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. Those are multiple things to be impressed by, not just one. Nick followed the, about- Craig, the Craig mantra there. Just, I'm going <laughs> to th- pick three things that I want to impress by. Uh, but along the same vein, I, my, what I think I was most impressed by is we didn't have that scoring drought that we're so typical to have, right? that we so typically have. Uh, it's, you know, we didn't have that. We didn't have a period, a long stretch period where we weren't scoring, where we weren't doing, uh, you know, what we should be doing on offense. And obviously it leads to a positive result. That's how you get to 81 points. That's how you keep your foot on the gas when you're ahead in a game like this. Um, And I think, you know, I think it all came together for us in this game. And it showed that, listen, when when the pieces do come together, this is a team that's a force. You know, this is a team that can score 81 points and can hold you to, uh, you know, under 65. And this is a I mean, team wait. that you don't necessarily want to match up with when they're clicking. Yeah, it, it certainly shows that we're a force to be reckoned within the Big East on
2: the first night of the Big East coming out and beating Xavier. When people were wondering where we're at, people are, you know, I think people gave us credit because we're Saint Johns, but people were also seeing where's Xavier at because they're not a terrible team. They're not a great team, but they're not a terrible team we came out we absolutely demolished them so it's like okay like we're going to be a player in the East. going into the Yukon game there was like
1: a there's a little I don't know it felt like a little we had a little more juice than normal well, well it certainly was a uh, a happy wednesday i can say that for sure uh, unfortunately it wasn't a uh, happiness that lasted for the rest of the week because we had the tough loss in Hartford 69 to 65 against the number 5 Yukon Huskies on saturday Listen, before we get into the numbers, uh, you know, it, it, it stings. It's a stinging loss because it's a loss where, you know, listen, you're playing with house money. So, you know, you're playing in Hartford. They're number five in the country. They're coming off a loss against Seton Hall on Wednesday. Obviously, they're looking to bounce back. They did lose their big man. But it's, you know, it's again, this is a game you're not supposed to win right right the problem is in pure st. john's fashion we were right there we could have won this game we get a few free throws we get a few more buckets that fall our way and, and it's a different game and we do walk away with a victory so i think that's what was most stinging about this um yeah but just just looking at the numbers we you know we missed the the 30% mark for three 22% from three is where we shot 75% from the free throw line pretty good thirty eight from the field is not good for us on days when we shoot less than forty. you know it's going to be a struggle to come up with a win. Did a good job holding them down from threes though they only shot twenty seven percent uh they did shoot forty three percent from the field, which obviously is not great for us to allow that um, but listen, at the end of the day, they turned the ball over more than we did eight to six, and you know our, our guys played pretty well you know I we think that's. It. When, when you look at it, that's what you got to say.
2: I would say we played extremely well the entire game. There was not a minute in the game where we weren't in it or even up. There was literally just probably, I remember two or three wide open threes that we just, it was perfect, you know, somebody drove through the lane, kicked out, and then they, they swung the ball around, and it's a wide open shot. We Those are the ones we got to hit, wide yeah. open ones, no one to run. Those, you know, that's we, we lost by four, right? Two threes, that's a win. We come down, we miss. I mean, again, we shot to twenty-one for twenty-eight from free throw, so that's seventy-five percent. It's pretty good, but we made we made a couple more down the down the end. You know, it's the little things, and we it's, played amazing. It you is
1: know? where it is where the free throws come, right? I mean, we we sure we were seventy-five percent, which is a good percentage. However, you know, RJ Lewis missing free throws down the end, Chris Ledlam missing free throws down the end those are the ones that come back to hurt you because they're in the critical spot. I mean, obviously all missed free throws hurt, but in critical moments, they make critical things happen. So if you're missing free throws with 17 seconds to go, or you're missing free throws off a steal like, like Lewis did, it it just, it kills some of your momentum and it, and it stops the comeback that's happening. And I think that's why those kind of sting a bit more. Uh, missing down down the stretch, instead of just missing, you know, throughout. Uh, well, but if you look
0: at it with Ledlam, he was really 0 for three. He was one for three because the lane violation on the first free throw in the beginning of the game. That's a good point. He would have been 0 for three on that. And we can't forget the fact that you know he's a great shooter. Sixty four, sixty five percent career free throw shooter. He's one of those guys that he's not putting up the seventy up which we, you you watch his game you expect that unfortunately he is about sixty four sixty five percent free throw career shooter so we're gonna have those ups and downs yeah when he's in the court
1: yeah it's it's certainly tough when you're in a big spot like that and even though he's only a sixty five percent shooter you're hoping at the moment he's hitting you know the the higher point of the average not the lower point but not much you can do. But as, as I said, and I think as painful as it was, I think there is a silver lining to take away from this game. Okay, so we could have won this game, right? But oh, I, yeah. I think mean. I think, like we said at the beginning, like we said, like Nick said, I should say, after the Xavier dominating win, it shows that we're a contender this year. We're not just, hey, we're going to have a fluke good game every once in a while, like when we beat them last year at Connecticut. Uh, we played with them the entire time. We had a dominant win on Wednesday. And I think it showed that, listen, St. John's is here to play. You know, we've heard the hype all offseason. And in the first two big East games, I don't think we disappointed. I think we lived up to the billing in terms of what we were meant to be this season. It does show that our net ranking actually went up.
2: We we improved our net ranking
0: after a loss. Yeah.
2: Yeah. One one other thing I want to point out is that Dingle has gotten the most He's been our sixth man in both the game, both the last two games. And I'm excited for Dingo. Man, if he could just hit a couple more of those shots, if he can come in, be our sixth man off the bench, bang a couple threes, man, yeah. we could be living in the if in the if, if
1: he goes three for five from three instead of one from five, you know. Yeah. yeah what are what are we looking? We're looking at a very different start to the week. So uh but overall, <laughs> you know, I, I think we, well, we, we can walk away and be like, hey. Take take the positive from the game. I mean, I want to talk
0: positives, but I do want to bring up one thing of Danis Jenkins at times just makes me want to pull my fucking hair out. It, it, it is what it is. Yeah. He is ext- he's so talented. But there's times where it's like he shot that three at the end. Why at that moment did you shoot that three?
1: Yeah. He, he, he certainly needs to get at better point. at
0: that. It's... It's infuriating because you you see him, he makes good passes, he reads the defense, and then he just there's unnecessary shots. It it feels like he he has a shot in his mind, and if he sees any opening, he's gonna take it immediately.
1: It, and then it, there's other it times can where be frustrating just, for
0: sure. Yeah, other times he's reading the defense, and all of a sudden we have five passes to happen. A guy's open the corner. For, like Glenn Taylor when he was open in the corner for a three, it, same, same person, two wildly different reactions.
2: I agree with you. J- Jenkins sometimes has he's he's brilliant. Sometimes he can he cut through the lane, make it a brilliant pass, and then at other times you're like, why would you make that decision? And it's you know he's he's done it a lot less on the passing end, and now he's doing a little more on the on the shooting. So we got to find a beautiful middle there somewhere.
1: It happens. I mean, I'm with you. It it can be frustrating. And listen, he's probably frustrated as well. He had four of 13 shooting around the day. Certainly not the numbers he's looking for. I mean, he still had 13 points, but, um, you know, that is something he's got to kind of lock down on is like, Hey, listen, I'm not shooting well, or, Hey, you know, we don't need the three in this spot. Uh, That's definitely something to work on for sure. But anyway, let's take a look. I think we need to take a little look at the big picture. Uh, so I know it's our first week of Big East play, uh, and now we have a bit of a break. We play Hofstra, you know, but all the Big East teams are off, but let's just take a look at the Big East as a whole, you know, to see how this Big East play has started out. So obviously the Seton Hall beat of UConn, uh, was shocking, but it wasn't the only shocking loss. Uh, Marquette also went down. Creighton also went down all on Wednesday. Uh, it was, you know, an exciting night to start the Big East. Uh, For sure. Uh, So now we find ourselves at one and one. So does UConn, Seton Hall, and Xavier all one and one because Xavier, after getting blown out by us, went and beat Seton Hall. Uh, I talk about the real talk, you know, real Big East East showing there. Butler and Marquette also one and one. Creighton only played one game. They were 0 and one. DePaul also 0 and one. Poor DePaul. Uh, (laughs) And then Georgetown 0 and (laughs) two. Leading the conference so far 2 and 0. Is both Providence and Villanova. So, how about
0: that? Providence 2 0, Georgetown 0 2.
1: Yeah. Big, big turnaround (laughs) for Ed Cooley. Good luck, pal. Yep. Uh, But I think it shows kind of what the Big East is going to be like this year. You know, I think, yes, Marquette is a top 10 team. UConn's a top 10 team. Creighton was a top 10 team. They're ranked. Providence is ranked, right? But at the end of the day, it's going to be a bloodbath. Right. It's going to be a constant fight every night, which is what we saw. We, I mean, you couldn't have been disappointed if you wanted real Big East basketball this past week, is exactly what you're looking for. You know, all upsets. The biggest has you, proven,
2: sorry, the biggest has proven that it is the best conference in the country. Oh, yeah. In I Maya, mean, and pretty t- much everybody. Time everybody and time all again. of a sudden turned it. It was like, oh, wow. How is Big East? Be? Every year, they're always surprised. Every yeah. Year was I like,
1: just, oh. I think, it, I think this was a good sample of like, okay, you know what? Yeah. This is what the Big East is like. UConn, great, you know, only one loss. All of a sudden, first night, bang, knocked, knocked out. I, I think it's, you know, I think it was a great microcosm of what this season is going to be like. Like you talked about, Tim, our net ranking jumped right away we're now 52 in the net ranking so good to be in that top you know above above 75 uh, heading in the right direction bracketology a way too early I in my opinion bracketology came out right now we're the next four out but you know what that's okay you know I think that's a fair uh, spot for us right now you know we we haven't had those great wins yet yeah. uh, we haven't had terrible losses though so, you know, we're kind of right on the bubble right now. The hope is that that heads in the right direction. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think that's a fair placement for us right now. And, you know, that's kind of where things sit at the moment as we are in this little off week here where we play Hofstra before heading into the full Big East slate. Yeah, I think that's very appropriate right
2: now. And if, you know, we can, if we can you know, win some games in the Big East that people don't think we're going to win and we can finish top five in the Big East. Hey, if we can finish five or six or seven, Probably, if we can
1: find finish five or six in the Biggies, we're going to be in the tournament. I would say, yeah, we'll so- be right there. All right, so that brings us to the Spotlight Player of the Week. Again, this is this is exactly you know these are two real games here, Biggies competition. Uh, Nick, let's
2: start with you. Who do you got? I think you got to go with Joel Soriano. He was he was absolutely and he got he got started slow in the first half of the Xavier game and he was dominant in the second half of the Xavier game. In UConn, he was. He was a problem the entire time for them, and and yeah, uh, it's gotta be it's gotta be
1: Joel's Oriana, my opinion. All right, Tim, who do you got?
0: I got nothing that creative to uh, counter that it is Joel. It's really no other choice. Uh, Naheem did not show up in the second game against UConn. A little spotlight gets uh, put on R.J. Luis for being back, so that's that's exciting, but. Joel, two double-doubles, best player both times. You got to go with him.
1: Well, Joel Strayano wins, but uh, I'm not going to vote for him. I'm going to vote for Jordan Dingle. Uh, I think he, you know, like Nick talked about, he's been the sixth man. He played great in these two games, nine points against UConn, ten points against Xavier. He played his role exactly as he's supposed to. Uh, and I think he's really moving in the direction we kind of expected him to be, and I think this is the first time he really showed that. So I give him a little shout out even though he's not gonna win. Uh it is Joel Soriano for our spotlight player of the week. It's third time I believe. It Craig's is his, not here again. Well Craig's not here again, but but it was yes. It was what third, are we paying this guy for? This is his third time being the spotlight player of the week. We'll hope some other people step up and uh can uh you know not that I I'm rooting against Joel Soriano, but I just, you know, want some other guys to get get a little spotlight, get a little
2: If we know, get another spotlight player other than Soriano, we'll be winning a lot more games. I'm
0: saying. Because he's still yeah. gonna be doing his thing. I'm predicting uh RJ Luis, for the next one.
1: There you go. I like it. I like a little prediction. Put some odds on it, you know. Let's let's get some money going. Um but uh I can see that he he had played very well. It's nice to have him back. I think he could be a great asset to us. If he yeah, ac- continues to play like he played in the UConn game, for sure. I'm excited to see what RJ Lewis can bring to the table, for sure. Without a doubt. Well, this is a light week. Uh, only one game. It's uh, Hofstra at UBS Arena on Saturday. The game's noon on Fox Sports 1, if you're watching at home. Uh, the Pride coming in 7-5 and on the season. No real impressive wins uh, for them this year. But, to be honest, no bad losses. You know their their losses are against kind of the teams on their schedule. You expect them to lose to Duke, UNLV, uh, St. Louis, Princeton, who's very good this year. Uh, so you know, I, I they're kind of as billed. They're f- picked to finish third in the CAA. Uh, and you know, listen, they're Hofstra's not a team you can overlook, right? They're not a uh, you know, they're not a no offense to Manhattan, but they're not a school like Manhattan where you kind of expect to just run through them they're a team who's been to the tournament they're a team who can make the tournament from the caa uh and you know i, I think out in ubs arena it was an interesting pick for this game because i think the fan base could be fairly split obviously Hofstra fairly close to ubs arena so i i don't love that this game is there um but yeah. at the end of the day so far this season we've won all the games we were supposed to win at least you know the the cupcake games if you will uh, so I think you have to walk in with that same mindset. Yeah, I
2: uh, I don't like playing at UBS Arena. I mean, especially I mean, what wo- was us from New Jersey mainly? But it's just annoying going all the way out there. And also, like, why are we gonna help Hofstra get closer so their fan base can be closer? Why don't we do it in the Garden? Get them a little bit further away. So like I St. I, so I think closer. I I think the preference would be the Garden, but I think
0: that was uh this was a negotiating move, my guess.
1: Uh, What I really think this is is I think this is, in in a very good way, uh, St. John's trying to really be New York's team in in the sense that we play all around the city, right? You can see us play at the Garden. You can see us play at the Barclays. You can see us at UBS, Uh, you know, and sure, it doesn't really make sense because they're a team on Long Island, but at the same time, for UBS, it makes sense, right? If, if they're yeah. going to take us for other games and, and, you know, have us play teams where they may not do as well in ticket sales, I could see them, you know, like Tim said, as part of the contract or negotiating, be like, listen, that's fine. You know, well, you can come play DePaul here, but you also have to play Hofstra because we know we're going to have a good night in terms of sales. But I think it's a great move by St. John's to play all around the city. You know, I, I think you you know, listen, we are the New York City team. So be the New York City team. Play all around New York City. Play at all the area arenas that you can, uh, to give people the experience to be able to come out to St. John's without always having to go uh to Manhattan or or Queens.
2: That's fair. I just wish it wasn't Hofstra, to your point. I wish, I
1: wish it wasn't I Wish it was Kansas and I wish we won that game. <laughs> yeah. Oh <laughs> the flashbacks. Uh, all right, so Tyler Thomas is their leading scorer, 22 points a game. He does an absolute phenomenal job. Shoots 41% from the field, 94% from the free throw line, and 39.5% from three. He will be their, you know, force to be reckoned with, if you will, and he'll be their number one guy to keep an eye on. Uh, however, Darlin Stone Dubar also averages 17.8 points a game. Uh, six rebounds. He's also no slouch, 53% from the field, uh, 40% from three. So that's, they're, they're they're two guards. They're the guys who you're going to have to keep an eye on because they're the two guys who are going to be the guys that, as we know as St. John's fans, come out and have big nights, particularly at UBS in front of what's going to be, a you know, I think a slick crowd. They're going to be the guys who are going to, we're going to be, you know, banging our heads against the wall as we see them shooting wide, shooting and making wide open threes.
0: Yeah, you got the combination of Carlos passing to Thomas and Dubar. It's, it's going to be a tough combination. Fortunately, their two guards are six foot and six three. We got some height on them. We just got to make sure we don't get blown past like we did in our previous losses where little guys actually made it past us. So we have the size. I think we can utilize that and really take advantage pretty quickly, and unlike the last game against UConn, Joel needs more than five attempts from the field. I know he, he shot a bunch of field uh, free throws. Five shots from the field, that needs to at least be eight. And yeah, I think that's going to matter.
1: Absolutely, and so the, the Jacob Fritz is their big guy. He's 6'10". He's From the Netherlands, he's going to be the guy that Soriano matches up against. This is certainly a matchup that is very heavily in Soriano's favor. But going back to what you said, we did a terrible job of exploiting the Klinigan injury at UConn, right? We should have been feeding Joel Soriano the ball nonstop. It should have just been a Joel Soriano fest in the sense that he should have touched the ball in every possession. Now, I don't know. He got in foul trouble. He was out for five minutes, which... It may have been the difference in the game, Uh, but we certainly certainly should have exploited it. And the same should go in this Hofstra game. Joel Soriano is better than Fritz. I mean, just flat out better. There's no reason he shouldn't have a dominant night down low. And we need to make sure that he has that because I think in order for us to have successful nights, we do need to ensure that Joel Soriano also has successful nights, not just double double nights, successful nights where he's dominant in the paint. And that's what we lacked in the UConn game. Uh, And obviously, I know this is a smaller scale, but I think that's something we can certainly exploit here against Hofstra.
0: With Soriano getting in foul trouble, the one thing I've always noticed is the statement of the best defense is a great offense. He gets in less foul trouble when he is scoring a lot because he's already putting the other big man in foul trouble. So they're playing softer. They're playing less risky and they don't want to take an offensive against Soriano. So I I think we have to get him scoring. We have to have him dominant and that will also keep him out of foul trouble.
2: Yeah, for sure. One thing I do want to note is, uh, I know you guys said the other way, but uh, Jaquan Carlos, Tim mentioned him. He uh, averages seven assists a game. That's sixth in the country. So he will be definitely another accessory yeah. to watch. Yeah, I out.
1: mean, that he's their point guard, so we'll have to do a good job on defense to stop him from getting the ball flowing for Hofstra. So also, I think... Hofstra
2: also, I'm sorry, one more quick note. Hofstra's 94
1: in the net ranking. So there it would go. it's top hundred top hundred not bad. So I I think we're all predicting a win, right? I think it's safe to say that. Um, but how do you see this one playing out? What do you think? A close win, a blowout win, Tim? How do you how do you feel going into this one? For this one, I
0: I don't think it's going to be that close at all. I think I think by halftime we'll probably be up thirteen to fourteen. That would be my guess. And the game, I could see as easily nineteen to twenty.
1: Like a nice, I wouldn't be surprised, a nice smooth if, victory.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Vegas put the line at like twenty point five.
1: All right, Nick, how you feeling?
2: I'm feeling pretty good about this game. I think I don't know if we're. Uh, I think we're probably going to build up by somewhere between four and six going in the half, maybe four to eight going in the half, and then I think by the end we win in by. 12 to 14. Okay, but I, I, think we ha- I think we handle them. In the second half, we get punched in the mouth right out of the halftime, and then we figure it out. That's my guess.
1: All right. So, Nick, a smooth victory, but a little bumpy there at halftime. Tim, smooth the whole way. Smooth like butter up to a 20-point win. Yeah, I, you know, I'm kind of torn. I think Hofstra plays big uh, in UBS coming out, hoping that they have a bit of a fan base there. Uh, I could see the first half being a bit back and forth, them barely being in it. I think a close halftime is uh, sort of similar to what you said. Uh, but I think we do pull away clear in the second half uh, and walk away with a uh, you know, double-digit for sure, probably above 15-point win, uh, and move ourselves into, uh, you know, head into 2024 with a nice victory, head into the full biggie slate with a little bit of a bounce-back win after that disappointing uh, UConn loss.
0: Yeah, got to get back into the black for uh, UBS. So wins going to be very important. And I'll tell you this. If that line is 10 points or less, hard money has gone to St. John's. Uh, no, no,
2: don't bet on St. John's. You can't bet <laughs> you can't. on St. John's. No, I'm, really. not, I'm not allowed to bet on
0: St. John's. I understand
2: that. I
0: don't do it anymore. <laughs> That's good. That's good for everybody. Everybody hearing that is good. I learned that financially and through uh, the misery. So I don't do it, but if you're gambling, I would say yeah, three I think, units.
1: I think tens a little Tens ho- a little low uh, for us to be favored. I know it's at UBS, but still, we're you know we're a better team than that. So, all right, well that'll do it for Tim and Nick. I'm Vincent. Go, Johnnies! Keep chasing.